Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. back to GHLY Sixers postgame show. I wish we had better news for you. Unfortunately, the Sixers fell to the Western Conference leading Minnesota Timberwolves 112-99 here. The Sixers' fourth loss in the last six games. They did so on this one without Joel Embiid. How you doing, Kyle? Well, we do have a nice beverage for we the do? show. You know, it's a, a Thanksgiving Eve. It's only one, though. You got to drive later. This so is got to be responsible. This is a PHLY Sixers first. This is the first time we will have a drink on the show. Um, I'd love to say it's because it is Thanksgiving Eve. If I'm being honest, I think we came to this conclusion about midway through the first quarter <laughs> when they were playing like they were. But yeah, that was. A tough one. And look, you knew this was going to be a tough one. You, even if Joel Embiid played, you knew this was going to be a tough one. Minnesota, if you haven't been paying attention, they are no joke. I think they had the number two ranked defense in the league coming into it. When you have a back-to-back scheduled, when you have size that the Sixers are going against, that was going to be a tough game. And when it was announced that Joel Embiid would miss it because of left hip soreness, we'll go with that. Probably a little bit rest too because it is a back-to-back. He hadn't missed a game all year. Again, it was going to be real tough for them to overcome it. You needed a huge monster performance from Tyrese Maxey. You needed your veterans to play like veterans. You need your three-point shots to go in. And again, three-point shooting probably is one of the things that leaves you the quickest when you are on a back-to-back with tired legs. And none of that happened. Tyrese Maxey was bad, and it happens every now and then, but he was not good here tonight. The Sixers veterans were made some of the most mind-boggling passes I've ever seen. And the Sixers shot seven for 32 from three-point range. None of it is what you needed to pull out a win here. I appreciate the uh, the lively commenters tonight. CJ says this is his first game that he checked out on. Saw Marcus Morris was the starting center. Realized I had better stuff to do with my time. RJ's already demanding a Zach Levine trade tomorrow. So, no. you know, everyone is real. Just rational and one gaming this, this whole thing. I, I would say this to start is that it was very clear early on that this was not going to be their night. Yeah. So if you were the sort of person who came in thinking, I'll watch it in the first quarter, see how things go. And then you see Patrick Beverly take a sky hook from <laughs> yeah. 13 feet that doesn't come anywhere close <laughs> yeah. to the rim. It's like, 
yeah, that's probably my sign to check out for the night. I totally get it. That sequence where Beverly, it looked like he got a backcourt violation, just could not get the ball past half court. Once he got it, he was getting hounded, and then he ended the shot. He, he still had, I think, seven seconds left on a shot clock when he tried that skyhook. I think maybe he thought he was getting fouled. He was going to try to draw a shooting foul, but it was just one of the numerous inexplicable decisions that the Sixers uh, veterans that you need to rely on made. The Batum inbounds pass. Beverly had a couple where he just got up in the air and prayed and threw the ball. Tobias had one where he tried to kick out in the corner, and it was just a really, really tough game to watch. How, but I guess we have to take a step back. How much do you actually care about the bad performance? Like, how much does that change what you think? Okay, so I will say, if we're saying there's one thing that I cared about in that game, it was Tyrese Max's performance. I think... What we've seen over the last two nights, Cleveland, a lot of length at the rim. Minnesota, a lot of length at the rim. I know I wouldn't put Cat in the conversation as a defender with the other three bigs in that four-man no. group between the two teams. But between all the length that they have, they also threw athletes and physical defense at Maxi at the point of attack, showed them some – not doubles, but they hedged a little bit, got got up in his face and said, you know, do something other than attack somebody one-on-one. And I thought Tyrese got a bit spooked by it. And the worst part, I think, is seeing Tyrese settle for way too many of those runners and floaters. Yeah. You know, I, I said to Derek at different times throughout this game, he's got to pull the trigger on some of these pull-up threes more. I'd rather see him go 0 for 10 from three and take some of these shots on, you know, kind of iffy opportunities, then live on a diet of, I mean, what was he? He was seven for 19, took five threes. And of those 14 twos that he took, there had to be at least eight to 10 runners. And and that just, you have to shoot such an impossibly high percentage on those to make those work. It's a good break class in a case of emergency shot. But the emergency was they need him to shoot and score a whole lot more than he did tonight, and I don't, thought he did not cope well with this matchup, yeah. just like he didn't the night before. He's sort of killing me. I have a likes and dislike column that I'm going to write every week. Uh, the like is about Maxi. I've been trying to time it so that there was a couple days in between. You know, there's a, a, a it's a holiday week, so I'm trying to time it basically when it's best to release it in terms of engagement. During the time where I held off releasing it, he had a two of his worst games. So yeah. maybe that might have been a mistake. That's fine. That's fine. You're going to make a couple of mistakes here in the content creation business. More concerning is I agree with you. I'm not sure he necessarily knew how to attack the length and the size of either of these last two matchups. And again, this was always, I think, going to be a tough one for him because he just didn't seem like he had the legs on the threes. He ended up 0 for 5 from deep. So being like, hey, you should have shot 12 tonight. I'm not sure that would have worked out in his favor. It either. may not have, honestly. But, look, when you are not getting the free throw line and he has not been getting the free throw line all that much here in the last couple of games, your three-point shot abandons you. I agree. He sort of reverted back to maybe some of his bad habits. Some of the habits that I know that we don't like to give him credit here. Some of the habits that I think Doc Rivers maybe tried to get him out of. And honestly, there was another part uh, in this game. Paul Reed, when you set a screen, don't pop. (laughs) <laughs> you're worthless popping on the perimeter, and you're even more worthless when you're just kind of meandering in the mid-range. What are you doing? Every time you set a screen, roll the freaking basket. That's the only way you have any kind of gravity and you can contribute to a play. That was another habit that Doc Rivers really, really tried to get Paul out of. 
couple little things here that you're seeing a couple players revert back to. I do agree with Tyrese settling for those floaters a little too much. Like you mentioned, it's just real hard to build a, a sustainable, efficient offense on those if they're a, a healthy portion of that. Once or twice a game, sure, but he's settling a little too much. I do think you should look at this game from you know big picture perspective and say, you know, there are a lot of people in the offseason who are like, trade Joel, get you know, role players, picks, young guys, whatever. And every time Joel has a subpar performance, and look, I've hammered him pretty hard at times already this season for He's noticed. games that, yeah, him and I had a nice little discussion in the locker room about that last night that I'll keep between him and I. But so Joel gets hammered, gets hammered, gets hammered when he has tough games. You see the value of him when he's not on the floor and Tyrese is all of a sudden your number one guy. Tobias, who I thought had a very good first half and carried them in the second quarter when they were able to keep this game competitive, when Tobias has to be the number two. And then third guy is basically just an amalgamation of a bunch of people. I think it was probably DeAnthony tonight. DeAnthony had a, a decent, not particularly effective game. I think he ended up with, what, 16, 18, something like yeah. that. Yeah, well, a really weird one. He couldn't make a shot, but he got the free throw line a bunch. I, I mean, just... Tells you what kind of night it was. But chaos. when Joel's on the floor, there are times you can just throw him the ball at the elbow and he'll get you a decent, if not very good shot, whether that's from mid-range, around the basket, he's going to get fouled. He can manufacture points and manufacture good possessions all by himself, even if he's only got, you know, six, seven seconds on the shot clock. So, I mean... Forget the defensive part that he brings to the table. I I just think that that's something that I believe gets really taken for granted with him. Yeah. That the second he's out of the lineup and they score, what they end up with like ninety nine points tonight. That's yeah. this has been one of the best offensive teams in the league. Well, as much as Joel's frustrating in some ways, he's a massive, massive part of that. Look, I think there's been a lot of discussion that and. Up until these last few games, again, this was part of the article, the Sixers had a better net rating with Maxi on the floor and Embiid off of it than with Embiid on the floor and Maxi off of it. We've talked about that a lot on the show. Part of that, a, a significant part of that, is the fact that um, the lineups that Nick Nurse has been putting out in those Embiid without Maxi minutes have been not great. I think we'll just leave it at that. Uh, and you maybe saw some of those limitations even we'll more. We'll get to some of the guys in those lineups. Tonight, when those, those lineups were similar, but with Reed instead of Embiid at center, part of that was that Maxi was just on an unbelievable heater. Do you know, coming into these, these last two games, he was averaging 50 points per 100 possessions with Embiid on the bench, with the true shooting at 70%. It was absurd, the level of efficiency he was having in those, those minutes. It was also completely unsustainable. There was nobody in the league last year with a 30-plus percent usage rate and a true shooting that high. He would have legitimately been playing at a level higher and more efficient than Kevin Durant. As much as I love Tyrese Maxey, that was never going to stay. But what I will say, like I think people, especially if you you know watch this show a lot, will probably get frustrated with me because at times when they're playing great or something good is going on, I'll be like, well, it's only a couple games. You're only 10 games in the season. The inverse of that is true. When Tyrese Maxey, you know, he has not been real good here for the last three or four games. Mm -hmm. Surprisingly, he's shooting like 37% from three over the last five. I was surprised by that. It felt like it was lower. But I will also come back with it's only a couple games. And I know some of these are matchups that we really wanted to focus in on. The Celtics specifically. The Cavs, this one, tough matchups for him to succeed against. 
but just because it's an important matchup doesn't mean that the sample size is any more meaningful. And I do think a big part of what we've seen here, especially tonight, like tonight is the one where I go, I think he was tired. We never say that about Tyrese Maxey. Never, never, never. He seems like he has boundless energy. I think it's understandable he was tired. I do want to see, you know, when they play this team again later on down the line, when they play the Cavs three more times, how does he respond? How does he adjust his game? There was somebody in the chat, I forget who it was, and I apologize for not being able to call you out, but mentioning that each game right now is a learning experience for Tyrese Maxey. And even though I came away from this game disappointed with how he approached it and certainly disappointed with how he played, I agree with that sentiment. I think this is a learning experience for him, and I want to see how he responds to it. For sure. And by the way, Joaquin said he would die to be a fly on the wall for the Joel confrontation to me. It was not a confrontation. I sought Joel out and wanted to talk to him about, hey, saw you liked my tweet. You want to have a discussion about it? Because I would like to give Joel the opportunity to speak his mind the same way I do. And all I'm saying is I, I'm not going to dwell and have conversations that are not part of the public record. Yeah. And, so we'll just and honestly, that's, that. that's one thing that you learn really quickly in this industry. If you are critical, you, whether it's a tweet or you a, show your a column, you've got to show up the next day, 100%. Yeah, 100%. but to your point, Derek, look, Tyrese, coming into the season, Nick Nurse talked quite a bit about growing pains for Tyrese, right? And said, yep. "We're if, if James is here or if James is not here, obviously he is not and was traded, we're happy to go through growing pains with Tyrese. Like, we want to live through those. We're right. prepared to do it. And haven't had to go through many up to this point. So I think to get, we're what, now 14, 15 games into the season at this point? 15? Am I remembering? 10 and 5? Yeah, 10 and 5. Yeah, 15 yeah, yeah. games into the season. So to get to this point, and this is the first time we can really say, hey, Tyrese has to adjust. Tyrese has to figure out how to play against this type of defense and this coverage and this style of matchup. That's an inherently a good thing. It might have been a tough night and a tough couple of nights for him. And I think he still ended up with 30 points in the game against the Cavs, even though I, was I didn't 29 love. shots. Yeah, yeah, I didn't love that game. But that, at least he kept his aggressiveness up. And that's kind of the message that Nick has given Tyrese that I agree with. He's got to just keep shooting and, and keep attacking because he is effectively letting teams win by only taking 19 shots on a night that Joel Embiid's not in the lineup. That's a, a big problem for them that they were never going to be able to overcome, I don't think. Yeah, no, I agree. Look, if Nick Nurse came into the season saying there's going to be growing pains for Tyrese Maxey, and if we all agreed with that sentiment before the season, just because Tyrese Maxey came out on an eight-game heater to start the year doesn't mean that those thoughts were wrong. doesn't mean that, that that reality wasn't eventually going to hit us. It's almost like because he started off so well, he readjusted our expectations and maybe set those expectations a little bit unrealistic. So again, I think there's reason to say, sit here and say, his performance against these big teams is a little bit concerning, but it is, is still just a couple game sample size in the middle of a very long season. Yes, and by the way, we do have a super chat from Bernard. Bernard, we're going to get to that in just a second after we hit our first ad break. So we have a sponsor you guys are familiar with by now, Pennsylvania Dairy Farmers and Team Chocolate Milk. Professional and college athletes have known about the power of chocolate milk as a refuel and recovery beverage for a long time. And chocolate milk provides high-quality protein for muscle repair, electrolytes for hydration, calcium for strong bones. I think the Sixers clearly needed some more chocolate milk overnight last night on their flight to Minnesota. But, hey, I'm not an expert, but other people are. And that's why studies consistently show that chocolate milk is an ideal sports recovery beverage. So whether you're recovering after a workout at the gym or run around Boathouse Row, 
or a bike ride on the Schuylkill Trail, chocolate milk's an ideal post-workout beverage, and taking care of your body doesn't end when the clock hits zero on your workout routine, so give your body what it needs to properly recover. So what could be better than a scientifically proven recovery beverage made right here in Pennsylvania that also tastes great? Learn more about child chocolate milk and help you refuel and recover after your next workout by visiting teamchocolatemilk.com. We also want to make sure that we tell you about Hero Bread. Uh, again, I, especially now that they put this on screen every day, I've been trying to trim <laughs> off some of those pesky few pounds. And in doing so, one of the, my long-running things is I've been trying to find low-carb bread. Um, when we started getting Hero Bread here in a studio, I put in orders for myself. As not only do I find it a better fit for my dietary needs and the bread I was previously using, but it tastes delicious. They have a wide variety of offerings from sliced bread, tortillas, burgers, and hot dog buns, and more delivered directly to your door. You can enjoy all the taste without the guilt. The bread is fluffy, delicious, and flavorful, high in fiber and low on net carbs, with fewer calories than the leading natural brand and 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. And you can either place a one-off order or set up a subscription. So you can get Hero Bread delivered directly to your door every two weeks, every month, or whatever you need to make sure you're stocked up and ready to go. Right now, Hero Bread is offering the PHLY fam 10% off their first order. Just go to hero.co and use our code PHLY to save on Hero Bread today. That's H-E-R-O dot C-O to save 10% today. Okay, so Bernard, thank you very much for the super chat, by the way. Bernard responded and said he doesn't agree with me. He says if Maxi was playing with more athletic guys like SGA of the Oklahoma City Thunder, he's tired and running three miles a game. I want, I, I want to give Bernard some credit here. Tyrese runs exactly 3.04 miles per game. That's a man who has access to the NBA (laughs) stats database right there. So, look, would Tyrese have an easier time with a team full of athletes or better athletes? Maybe. I don't know that that's what the problem was tonight. Like, I I think when Tyrese gets out and running, it's – he is the athlete. He's the guy who scores on the break. He leaks out gets the outlet pass from whether it's Joel, Melton, Tobias, whoever, and he takes advantage. And he's he's a young guy. Like, he should be one of the quote-unquote athletes of the team. Now, Derek and I talked about this recently. I do think it's made a big difference for Joel to have the Kelly Oubre's of the world, the Jaden Springer's of the world on the floor. And we're going to get to, I think, Marcus Morris at this point now. Yeah, I don't love seeing Marcus Morris types on the floor, guys who don't or can't really move at this point. You know, I thought Cove was decent tonight, but he is not like an explosive athlete you can use as a lob target. Paul Reed, who you brought up, Derek, is a a decent athlete, but also got stuck in no man's land a lot tonight, was not like a big lob finisher or anything in this game. And the problems that Maxi has are aggressiveness problems. I I don't think it's like a team construct is making it more difficult for him. I think when he didn't have the real number one option tonight to play off of and, you know, work that two man synergy that I Mm -hmm. think we've come to really appreciate this year, he struggled. And that's look, it's not a real big indictment of him. It's a great defense, a very good team this year. And between Anthony Edwards and Nikhil Alexander Walker and some of these other guys, they're, they're throwing bigger pretty decent i mean in ant's case nuclear athlete but good athletes at him for most of the night and it was going to be tougher for him to turn the corner they don't have creators elsewhere on the floor so i can understand why he struggled he still struggled at the end of the day yeah 
And not, not even really athletes. I don't necessarily need to see athletes next to Tyrese Maxey. Give me a, a little more quick trigger shooters and maybe somebody who can attack off the cliff. What you really want next to Maxey is somebody that the other team is afraid to leave. And a part of that, again, is shooting quickly off the catch. Part of that is also putting the ball on the floor. So if you, you know, if you help off of them and then you have to recover back to them, can you make them pay for that recovery? Either way, either by making the shot or by taking them off the dribble. The Sixers have too many players you can help off of. And there was a, a stretch here, a very brief stretch in the third quarter where Marcus Morris, of all people, was draining those threes and giving the Sixers a little bit of life. When you have a player making those kind of shots, it just helps Maxi out a lot. Yeah, 100%. It's more about decision makers than, yes. than athletes. And I think, frankly, you and I were discussing this during the game, Derek. Batum is normally one of those guys you'd count on there, right? Not tonight. Someone we'd say is very intelligent, moves well, quick decision maker as a shooter too. And he was just rough. Like couldn't complete an inbounds pass to Melton, poor off ball fouls. And that was two nights in a row that he got caught clutching and grabbing and slapping at guys. So, you know, even the guys who I think you would normally count on did not look good there. And that's part of why I think I chalk a lot of this up to it's fatigue because yeah. fatigue is not just you can't run as hard. It's you don't process things as yep. fast. You're mentally tired. They probably got in from their flight last night at, you know, 1.30, 2 a.m., whatever it is. They don't get to sleep until late. So on top of playing a long game where some of these guys are playing 40-plus minutes, they also didn't sleep well. So they didn't get to recover really before the game. So I, it's understandable, but it didn't make it any less – frustrating to watch yeah no look back-to-backs are almost never a good rep- representation of a team that's true uh, like i i don't want to go to the full doc rivers schedule loss but i think when you take a step back there are times in the schedule where it's much tougher to win let's phrase it like that and a back-to-back like there's a reason they don't play back-to-backs in the playoffs because it would yes. be a gosh darn Poor travesty product. yes you're going to play worse basketball it puts one team at a big disadvantage especially when you have your star player and really one of the only two players who can create a shot out of the lineup as well. It This was, again, it's one where I think we're going to talk about it in part because Maxi struggled against a team that was a, I don't want to say a measuring stick, but certainly a, yeah, it's a little bit of a measuring stick considering how good they are defensively. But don't overreact to it. Um, and again, I think, like, again, when they were starting the year eight and two or whatever, we probably sat here and said, yeah, I don't. I still think they probably need another piece here to be a real contender, and yeah. I think fans probably got frustrated by that. Well, now they've lost four out of six. I'm kind of in the same spot where I'm not ready to call them a contender until they get another piece. It's still all about, about evaluation until we get the trade deadline, and I think I've kind of remained flat like that. And I will say, like I know as a fan, it's tough. Regular season's long. There's going to be a lot of up and downs. <laughs> I think you got to try to take the whole season into context, not just the most recent game that. Because quite frankly, there's going to be a lot of games, even the good teams, but especially the 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 great teams will piss you off from time to time. The good teams will piss you off pretty frequently. Take a step back. <laughs> I mean, if you want a great example of the power of back-to-backs, Cleveland, after that exact same game last night, lost by 33 yeah. to a Miami team that Bam Adebayo did not play. They gave up like 30 points to Kyle Lowry, who I don't think has scored 20-plus points in like a year and a half. So it's just, it's just how it goes. So while we're on the subject, Derek, of back-to-backs and guys getting thrust into bigger roles than they needed to, how did you react when you found out Marcus Morris was starting this game? Well, I believe I was in the studio. Um, I, was, I was coming up the elevator, 
And I be, I, I'm pretty sure I said, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm pretty sure <laughs> that definitely that absolutely came out of my mouth. And look, Marcus Morris had, he scored, I think, 11 points in the first five minutes of the third quarter. That three-point shot was going down. If you watch the, the, the four minutes or so preceding him going on, you know, that run, he was getting targeted in pick and roll every time down the court. And sometimes he would be too far up on the ball handler, and I think there were two lobs in there in that stretch. Another time he gave the ball handler about 15 feet of space. He was doing either one or the other, but he was never in position. He was real bad defensively. And you're going to look at this and say he kept them in the game at, at points in that third quarter, and that's true. But I think if you take a, again, take a step back, look at how bad he was defensively. That you expect to carry over game to game. He's not going to get any quicker or more nimble. When that shot isn't going in, I, you, I, I, I'm actually legitimately worried that Nick Nurse is going to look at this and say he has something left when really I think it's just one night where the shot was going in. Yeah, look, if it was the Marcus Morris of two years ago, sign me up for that because that is that wasn't his peak two years ago, but still like closer post peak, yeah. I would say he was a guy that was a legitimately pretty good defender who's also spacing the floor, can beat a closeout as we saw multiple times tonight in the third quarter, and that I think is what makes it kind of infuriating, right? Is he can go on a run like that clearly. He's a skilled player, has been for quite a long time, but he doesn't move on defense. The awareness at this point is close. I don't, don't won't say it's zero, but it's not good. And so he was put in a matchup that's not favorable for him, right? Him having to defend guys that are considerably bigger than him. If you throw a lob to Cat or Rudy Gobert and Marcus Morris is the guy defending him, well, I'm not expecting Marcus Morris to go up and – play vertical defense against Rudy Gobert. It's just, it's not a fair expectation. What I am expecting him to do is to see when a guy is cutting behind him or cutting near yeah. him and to identify things like that. Like you can't make those mistakes. Your margin for error is zero when you're already in an unfavorable matchup baseline. Now to his credit on offense, he punished them for how they defended him. And I would imagine we didn't talk to Nick Nurse, I'd imagine that's why Nick started him in the first place or part of it, right? Is to say, all right, if you're going to defend him with Rudy Gobert, we're going to park him at the three-point line and either he's going to get open threes or Rudy's going to close on him and Marcus, I trust to beat him on a closeout. And he did a couple of times, missed the layup, but you know, made a couple other plays and especially during that third quarter run, looked competent. I just think he gave more than those points back on the other end of the floor. And that's kind of the problem, right? Is even on a really good night for him offensively, I don't trust him enough on defense that I think you're going to get positive value out of his time on the floor. Yeah. Look, I will concede that he was better tonight than I was expecting. For sure. That he was closer to maybe neutral than I was expecting. And that he certainly gave them a lift offensively. My big thing isn't so much what was tonight. It's what can we expect going forward. And the defense, the decision-making was so slow. The reaction time was so slow. The change of direction was so slow. I think all of those are going to you know, carry over more often than not. I don't. I, I struggle to find lineups where I think he's going to be useful. And we saw that when he was playing fewer minutes, that he was getting picked apart. I mean, he was, what he shooting? I think three for 10 from the field. Coming into this, the fact that he got hot one day doesn't change the defensive concerns that I have. I just don't think he has much left to contribute. And again, if I'm wrong, I will. I mean, I've been saying I've been wrong about Kelly Oubre the entire season so far. Um, I have very serious concerns on this for sure. So, 
Money Mar is, asked, is saying that this was a night to experiment with the double bigs and triple guards and Nurse did nothing out of the box. I mean, I disagree because I do think this was out of the box in some respects, right? Morris and Batum are essentially your two biggest guys on the floor to start that game. It's one of those things where it's like, well, it didn't work, so that's not the experiment I want to see. I think they tried something. Now, would I have done that? Probably not. Would I have tried Bamba at some point? Probably. You know, Paul Reed's problem most of the night was that he kept committing fouls. I mean, he had three fouls in the first half, and a lot of these guys are letting guys get by him and just slapping guys on the forearms and the, picking up silly fouls. The completely and, needless fouls from yeah. people who should know better was infuriating. So I'm not sure that would have gotten – in fact, I would almost guarantee it would have gotten worse if you put two bigs on the floor because, as we've talked about on the show, Bamba's biggest problem is – space defense and if you have him out for example i guess you wouldn't have him on carl anthony towns most likely that's probably the other big's responsibility but bamba if you can bring him out and use a screener use rudy gobert as the screener and then he's got to do something within pick and roll defense he's screwed so i i get why nurse might not go there but i still would have liked to see it at some point yeah i mean i i think the simplest explanation is that i don't think he believes and Paul Reed at the four. Or Mo Bamba, period, because right. Mo didn't play until garbage time. And, and that, to me, is a giant indicator of what he thinks of him. Yeah, and look, I don't even disagree with that. Like, I, I think you and I both came into it. It's like these were the two games where if you're going to try a double big, try it. Uh, I don't think either of us were necessarily big believers in that. I yeah. still don't think that I am. This was the game to get weird, but it's also hard for me to get super upset about something not happening that I don't really believe in. And I think, you know, Nick talked a lot about Paul Reed at the four coming in. Clearly they saw something where they didn't believe in it working and he hasn't executed because of that. And again, I just, I don't buy Paul Reed's shooting or perimeter game or decision-making on the perimeter enough to really push back against that. Yeah. So look guys, there are going to be better days ahead. I would guarantee that days where they're not playing back to backs. Joel Embiid's going to be in the lineup. And if you want to be there to see those games that presumably Cheaper prices now that uh, they've lost a few games. You can get in there for a steal. Then the Game Time app is where you're going to go to get your tickets for the next Sixers game and many Sixers games to come. You know, you can get tickets without planning for months in advance because Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy theater and more it is the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason because tickets are sent directly to your phone you never have to dig through your email and the game time guarantee means you always get the best price you find tickets in the same section and row for less game time will credit you 110 percent of the difference so snag the tickets without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and use code phly for 20 dollars off of your first purchase Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. And while we're here, guys, I just want to give you another reminder. I know we've offered a couple this week, but we do have a PHLY locker Black Friday sale. I believe it is 25% off of the merch in the store. And if you spend $75, you can also get a $15 gift card. Weirdly enough, Derek and I are not wearing our PHLY attire tonight on Thanksgiving Eve, but you've seen us wearing the hoodies, the shirts, all the merch that we have so far. 
fairly often. It's very comfortable, fits well. So highly recommend getting yourself some while it's on a discount. Yeah. No, I mean, look, I might legitimately buy a couple more hoodies too. I wear that thing all the time, all the time. And I will probably have something PHLY related for Friday's show. For I sure. Would guess. Yeah. We do have another super chat from our friend Bill with a plant Abby. Thank you very much, Bill. He says, since the Sixers can't aggregate salaries until January, how concerned should we be that Maxi and Tobias are first and sixth in minutes played per game? It's not great. No. <laughs> I mean, look, Maxi is at least a little bit understandable because, well, A, they don't have anyone else who can dribble, so they kind of need his skill set. And B, he's boundless energy that's really young. That being said, I thought he looked tired here than this one, which you understand because it's two games in the span of 24 hours with travel in between still, I wouldn't, I don't, I don't love it. And this is, I think one thing, if you go back to our preseason uh, shows, this was one of Nick nurse's real MOs in Toronto. He plays his starters a lot. You can go back to Daryl Morey. He, there were, uh, I forget if it was a conference or a podcast where he's talking about like one of the greatest inefficiencies is you should play your good players more. This is something that they both sort of agree with. And do I think they'll be fine in regular season? Yeah. Do I know for sure that they'll have tired legs in the playoffs? No, but it is a concern. I agree with that. I'm going to pretend that there have not been times in the past where I called Nick Nurse Toronto Tibbs <laughs> yes. um, because it, it is definitely a concern. Um, I do think that as people have walked back the the value of load management, there's been more information coming in on that, that you know maybe there's – less concern of mine about guys playing, you know, 38 minutes, but especially in a scenario like this where Tyrese is playing 40 plus and then being asked to play a lot of minutes again. And some of this is the unique schedule with the in-season tournament. They've had a bunch of back-to-backs to open the season. Is this, I think this was six games in nine days or something like that, yep. Derek. And it's, it's been really tough to open the season. And I would say on top of that, something that maybe the fans are not privy to or thinking about that you and I certainly feel, Nick Nurse has had to practice a lot. And that's a big change from the Doc Rivers days where you could set your watch to it. If they had a game, the next day was a guaranteed off day. Right. There have not been a whole lot of off days to open the year. So not that I'm saying that practice is adding a ton of wear and tear, especially relative to a game where you're going hard against hostile competition, but that might play at least a little bit of a uh, a role in some early season fatigue. I think in Tyrese's case, he'll end up being fine. Someone like Tobias, is that's a guy I would keep an eye on, even as maybe especially as a, a durable Ironman type player, because I think when you get counted on as that and you just are – always willing to do whatever it takes he's not going to speak up i don't think if he's playing too many no, minutes and he might end up in a scenario where he needs a rest and doesn't end up getting it no look you've got to you've got to get through to toronto tibbs i agree i agree that's definitely being brought up a couple times in the future no that's listen i said that as a, a joke when i think it was like leading into one of the the series where they beat them in six games and should have swept them right. a few years back is when i was like Listen, they don't have a half-court offense. What are we talking about here? <laughs> no, they did not. No, Although that 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 team just dropped 132 tonight against uh, your Indiana Pacers. My Indiana your Pacers? Your Indiana Pacers. Why are they my Indiana that, Pacers? That, those Pacers have given up about, what, about 
290, I think, over the last two nights. Um, quite an offensive showing. Not a whole lot of defense. Anyway, we are not a Pacers podcast. What else you got from tonight's game? Anything piss you off, especially about watching that game? Oh, I mean, geez. I really besides the, all of it. The the passing. The the the, the yeah. Beverly Batum Tobias had a couple of really bad passes and the fouling, like those kind of things drove me nuts. So if you're asking what pissed me off, that was certainly it. I would have liked to have seen more Springer, I think. Uh when he gets buried, I get annoyed because especially on games like this where they just need infusion of energy. Uh, certainly Morris starting was not my favorite thing in the world, even if he acquitted himself better than I expected. I just don't know. Like if you bake in, all right, they're going to need to play five to 15 games without Joel over the course of a year. I don't know how they win very many of them. And again, this is where I'm, I'm wrestling with myself because on the one hand, I want to read into this game because it was our first time trying to navigate a full 48 without Joel Embiid. And I think for Tyrese, you know, if Tyrese has to learn how to play 15 minutes without Joel Embiid through the course of the game, he can ramp up his usage rate to darn near 40% and find a way to be aggressive in those you know 15 minutes or so. When he has to do it for a full 48, that is a very different proposition. So it is, on the one hand, I think the most one of the most interesting games they've played all year, and on the other hand, it's one of the games where it's tough to take anything away from because it's the back-to-back, because it's against such a good defense, because they traveled, because of all of these other factors. And it really puts me at odds with myself. Well, here's another thing I was sitting here thinking about with regards to Maxi's minutes. It would certainly be another reason you want to go out and get another ball handler so that right now, essentially, it's like you can barely afford to take him off the floor. And actually, Joaquin in the chat just brought up Pat Bev, which is a good segue. I am fairly close to being just totally out on the Pat Bev experience at this point. Yeah. Uh, he had some moments defensively in the Cleveland game, had the runner and all that. That guy commits the most brain dead fouls every single night. He cannot. And Derek actually blew my mind. I, I knew he was shooting poorly from three coming into tonight. He was shooting 11, 11. from three. Which is two made threes on the season. And again, he's playing every night. Not major minutes, but he's playing every night. Yeah. And truth be told, that was about double, I think, what either Kyle or I were expecting. Like, I don't <laughs> I remember. I knew he had made them. at least one three, and that was about it. So, look, when Pat's problem is he's not making threes. He can't create off the dribble. And defense, which I think is his one place he can provide actual utility and value, he undermines himself constantly with the stupid fouls. And so... I just don't know that they can get away with playing him as like a nailed on rotation guy every night as a change of pace locker room guy, like someone you throw in and just he fuck shit up a little bit. Like it changes the energy of the game. I get it as a, that's, that's fine. But asking him to be essentially your backup point guard without maxi. And on a night like tonight, he's got to play a more significant role because when Maxi does come off the floor, there isn't the Joel safety valve to throw the ball to. I just think you see how quickly it comes unraveled. And I I have not been a fan of what I've seen from him so far. Good podcaster, increasingly uh, less playable basketball player. I mean, this was a guy who in his, I'm, I'm going to call it a prime, was a 40% three-point shooter. Yeah. He doesn't look like he can get to the rim anymore. Like it, Got all no of those legs. are coming up short. And when you're talking about a guy who's always a low volume scorer, 
known more for his defense. You've really got to make plays at the margins. And for him, that meant making shots and being able to channel his aggressiveness without causing any kind of real harm. And you're seeing it more and more. He's not making shots. They're not defending him because he's not making shots. And that aggressiveness is still, he still makes plays. Like there's still times when he can really be disruptive, but there's also a lot of mistakes that come with it. And I think part of it is that he doesn't move his feet as well. So he's reaching a little bit more. Part of it is, I think he's maybe pressing a little bit and that might impact the decision-making, but if he's not going to make shots and if he's going to make, you know, so many more fouls and it's also, I think he's just in a tough spot. Like he shouldn't be handling the ball as much as he is, but that's not going to be fixed anytime soon. Look, I think I want to like Patrick Beverly. I like the style that he plays and the aggressiveness that he plays with, but the results have to be better. They have I, to be better. I love how reasonable we're all being. Lawrence in the chat wants to fire Daryl Morey and Alton Brand after tonight's game. <laughs> so that's uh, I, I love the passion, and I love that everybody is so tuned up after a, a back-to-back that this is as close to a schedule loss as you're ever going to get in the NBA. Not that Derek and I ever use that term, unlike Doc Rivers, but yeah, I I do think, and we've gone back and forth on this a lot, Derek, that we do need time to figure out what is the actual archetype of player that they need to put in between. Because right now it seems to be, okay, Joel was out, Maxi couldn't handle being the number one, they got to get Zach Levine. Now it turns back to get the best possible shot creator you can get. And I'm not even saying that that's necessarily wrong. My whole thing this entire time has been, they're going to have to give this the two months it's going to take to get to trade territory Mm -hmm. to really see what they have here. Because when Maxi plays like he did to open the season, which was like MVP level basketball, no, of course you don't need another shot creator. But where, where does he fall? Where is Tyrese's normal? Where does that leave you on an average night against a good team? Not the, you know, the Atlanta Hawks or some of these other bogus teams that will be on the fringes of the playoff picture or teams that you should frankly easily beat in a first-round series. What does Tyrese look like in an average game against the Celtics or the Bucks or the Minnesota, Denver, Oklahoma City, those teams? And – there are a lot of those matchups upcoming. We have a Thunder game, Derek, on Saturday. They play Boston again on, I believe, December 1st on a Friday night. That's now a national TV game. I'm sure nobody will overreact to that. So these are the opportunities in the games I'm excited for. I know for some of you, if and when they lose a few of these games, they're going to be tough to get through. But I look at it from a different perspective. What does this kid have? What does Joel look like? What does the team around them coalesce into? And then we see where the chips fall in January, where the rest of the league is, who's available, who's not. And then we'll figure out, is it OG? Is it Levine? Is it Caruso? Whoever the hell it is, there's plenty of time to figure this out. The great thing is they have at least another 15 games before they're going to be making any of these decisions. And again, I think it's real easy to overreact to four, five, even eight game stretches it's easy to overreact when Maxi dropped the 50 spot in like game eight and was averaging darn near 30 points per game and was in the MVP conversation by most, most metrics. And it's easy to overreact over the last five games, especially when a couple of them were against uh, what we would call measuring stick opponents. I think overreacting to either of them is a mistake. I think you're going to want to make that deal when you have 30 or 40 games 
of data and information to make it off of. That's why I'm glad the trade deadline is when it is and we don't really have, this is all hypothetical stuff to fill time as we talk about what is a dreadful game because truthfully, I don't know. Like which version of Tyrese, is it a Tyrese Maxey that's ready to be a number two on a championship team? I'd have been skeptical about that, but I can't tell you no. I don't think he's as bad as he has shown here over the last two games. I think it's somewhere in between and where exactly in between that is, we have a lot more time to figure that out. Know what you need to figure out next, Eric? My ad read. What you're going to pick out from FOCO. FOCO is a leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise with a product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and more. It's the best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. And with it being football and tailgating season, it means that overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, and bags, everything you need for a game, FOCO has. And FOCO has hooked PHLY up and provided awesome pieces for our sets. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description. For all non-presale items, use the promo code PHLY10 for 10% off. Again, that's PHLY10 as a promo code for 10% off. There's some discussion in the comments, and real time brought this up, that says people don't see that Maxi's too passive. That's why another score is needed. You can't learn to be a killer. Either you are or you're not. I agree with that in some ways. I think guys who want the ball in big moments tend to always have wanted the ball in big moments and are built in a certain way. But I will say, even though Joel hasn't always been good in those moments, he went from someone who's had to lean on other people to, I mean, even in the Cleveland game, takes like a Kobe-esque shot at the end of the game instead of doing what most people wanted him to do. And Jimmy had to encourage him to take more shots when Jimmy Butler was here. And he was somebody that pushed Joel to be more of that guy than he was early in his career. And I think you can actually see a similar dynamic unfolding with Joel and Tyrese. And Tyrese has admitted to this many times in interviews that Joel is constantly in his ear, shoot more, shoot more, shoot more. He did a thing with Lauren Rosen at Sixers.com the other day where He's actually doing a Joel impression, Joel staring at him at the three-point line, yelling at him to shoot, which there is video of Jimmy on the floor doing the same thing to Joel during their playoff run in 2019. So while, yeah, I would love to have drafted, the Sixers to have drafted Tyrese Maxey, and he just is created in a lab, like, oh, he's like a Michael Jordan, Kobe, like I'm taking the ball in crunch time and I'm doing whatever the fuck I want with it type of guy. I don't believe that you have to like come into the league as that. I do believe you can develop that to some extent. Now, what I would say, it's hard to be that guy as a six foot two guard in the league. It just is like, there's a reason why bigs won in the past. And now it's a lot of, you know, scoring wings or six foot six type guys tend to be the best clutch shot makers in the league because it's just easier to get your shot off when you're not able to be defended by someone who's four to five inches taller than you. Yeah. There's a lot of debate going on in the chat right now of, you know, Max comparing Maxi and Steph and how similar they are numerically at this point in their career, how different a lot of people view them. Um, and I, look, I'm not going to sit here and say that Maxi is Steph. I don't want to, because if you go back to to Steph at Davidson, like he always acted like that guy. He was never scared to take a shot. 
But I think if you remember Steph's early career, there was a lot of debate, not only because of the injury and his ankles were a, a real concern, but like there were people who preferred Monte Ellis over him and whether they should build around Monte Ellis. And I think with a lot of these, especially you brought it up, young guards, short guards, learning how to navigate a big man's game takes some time. And Maxi, for the first eight games, looked like he had it all figured out. Everything he looked like he had figured The passing, the dribble handoff game, the pocket pass, starting to get the skip pass, the reads out of the pick and roll. He looked like he had everything figured out. The last couple days, has it been a, a step back? And there's a lot of people panicking because of that. I think you have to give him a chance to now readjust, take what he's learned, and try to overcome it and try to grow and try to evolve because he is not a finished product. He just turned 24. He's nowhere near, like he's three years away from his prime. The question is how quickly can he get to where he needs to be by the end of the year? And we just don't know. It's seeing a lot of real positive signs, but we need to see more. Yeah. It's, it's the nature of a 23 year old kid being the second most important player on your team. And some of it is going to have to come through the other guy, right? Like Joel. Good point. He just turned 23. I said 24. I was wrong about that. You're right. He, he just turned 23. And a lot of this is going to be up to Joel Embiid to do the heavy lifting. That's why he won an MVP award. That's why he's the guy who's the face of the franchise, all that stuff. He's in his prime right now. He's going to have to be the guy in those moments to play better to make the most important decisions that the offense is going to run through for better or worse. Like that's, I have my reservations about it, especially with the way that the league has changed over the last 10 to 15 years. And with some of the shots that Joel will settle for and spots like that, but that's how it is. And maybe Tyrese is able to take the bet, take the baton from him at some point during the season. We don't know yet, but it's a long race they got to run. It's only November 22nd. They've played 15 games. I'm more than happy to give them the next 67 games they have to play. God, that's a giant number. I can't believe they have so many games left. But long way to go, guys, is all I'm saying. Yeah, like we're, we're a fifth of the way through the year. We're a fifth of the way through the year. I guess you brought it up a little bit. What were your shots on Joel's uh, shot there at the end of last night? Oh, in the Cleveland game? Yeah. I mean, I sort of, you know me historically, I've been, a, I'm okay with Joel taking jumpers guy, including when people were just pissed off all the time that he would have the audacity to take a three at seven feet tall. But I do think when you have Tristan Thompson in single coverage, there's a little bit of like, bury that fucking guy through the stanchion. Like I, all the, the crossovers back and forth. It's not like you didn't have time to try to back him down and then, even if you invite the double from somewhere else, find the open shooter after that instead of, I know that that's one of his favorite spots from the floor. He's made that shot a hundred times. But the other thing last night is that that shot wasn't going down. He was not making jumpers. So when you're not making jumpers the entire second half, you should probably do something different when it's the most important player regulation. That's all. Yeah. I mean, I, th I think for the most part, I'm not against like settling for an ISO from your star when the clock is basically unplugged uh, because you can guarantee that you're going to get a shot off, really low chance for a turnover. With Joel specifically, like that shot's not getting blocked. He can get a clean look pretty much whenever he wants. My only real hesitation that was that he just looked like he was completely gassed. And 
when you're gassed and settling for a jumper, that's a real tough shot to make. And you're right. With Tristan on you, he had a much bigger advantage. I get it. I get why coaches lean on that. Um, but since you weren't here in studio, I figured I'd ask because you brought up uh, a shot a couple times here tonight. Yeah. My thing with Joel is I just want him to be, and this has been Nick's big thing for the whole team. I'd rather him be decisive. I, I, I get playing for the last shot and doing all that. If you have an opportunity to score, just go do it. If you have an opening to drive and to attack Tristan Thompson on an island, do it. I don't need that. Like, I understand all the arguments about you don't want to give them a shot to tire win the game afterward and all that. But, like, his best offense almost always comes when it's not sitting there and thinking about it and jab stepping and crossing over. It's catch, move, shoot, or catch, shoot, or whatever it is. When he plays instinctively instead of playing that long, slow, methodical basketball, to me, that's when Joel is at his best, and that's what I would have rather seen there. Agreed. All right. Any uh, Anything else you really want to bring up here before we get out? I think this, if there's ever going to be a, a show that we're going to leave a little bit early, it's probably the one late at and night we're after all, a we're loss. We're close to an hour, we're buddy. We're close to an hour, but you know, we, we do have a holiday coming up. I'm sure we all got a lot of responsibilities. Yeah, listen, I, I think that's probably about enough for one Thanksgiving Eve, but while we're on the way out, I do want to say... Happy Thanksgiving to everybody who's here with us now and who will eventually listen to this later. Obviously, super appreciative of all you guys for being here, not just now, but in many of your cases every single day. want to shout out, despite the fact that you guys are yelling at each other and calling each other nerds and all kinds of other things in the comments. It really is wild. Like, one person brought up <laughs> Maxie's points per game, and like, oh, man, you're a stat nerd. Like, yeah, that's an advanced listen. stat thing now. But I appreciate RJ's and Money Mar, D'Angelo, Two Minute Warning, Alex, Bernard, Bill, Just Tom, Jake, Lawrence, Lucas. I ton of you guys I see each and every single day. And I, I know I speak for Derek and I. We really deeply appreciate it. On your way out, before you go, eat some turkey and celebrate Thanksgiving tomorrow. If you could hit that subscribe button, certainly hit the bell icon so you can get notifications when we go live. Hit that thumbs up button on the video on the way out. We will talk to you guys soon. I believe Derek and I will be back on Black Friday yep. for an afternoon show and then one more after the OKC game on Saturday couple more left guys so we'll talk to you soon and derek happy thanksgiving same to you